What's up, Blue Jays fans? Welcome to the podcast, West Coast Blue Jays fans, a podcast by Max Gilarici and Liam Jeffrey, all about the Toronto Blue Jays. We talk about series recaps, player stats, and anything else you want to hear about baseball and Canada's favorite baseball team. This is one of three shows on this podcast feed, and if you are looking for the series all about Vancouver, click on an episode that starts with the letters AFR. If you like the podcast, share it with your friends or even your enemies. We are not picky. It helps to get the podcast out there. Enjoy West Coast Blue Jays fans. Welcome to another episode of West Coast Blue Jays fans. This is the third episode. Today is April 19th, 2022, 11 a.m. Beautiful day here in Vancouver, British Columbia. I am I am one of your hosts, Max Gilarducci. As always, joined by Liam Jeffrey. Uh, this podcast is this podcast is recorded on the unceded traditional territories of the Kwantlen, Kutsi, and Semiamu um, First Nation peoples. And if you want to find out, if you are a settler, what uh, First Nation land you were living on, go to native-land.ca. It has been a fun week in Blue Jays baseball since our last recording. I believe they have gone three and three. Yeah, we got a whole bunch to talk about since last time. Um, you know, they've been kind of uh, up and down. It seems like they really like to split games right now. They'll go one win, one loss, and hopefully that's not a trend that lasts the whole season. But um, it's been it's been a fun week. Yeah, um, currently two games above 500, leading the uh, AL East. Uh, got about a game up on Boston, New York, and a game and a half on Tampa Bay. Um, unfortunately, there's been a couple of injuries this week to two, I want to say good players, but two, two players who have given us a lot over the last few years. Um, first off, Teoscar Hernandez, cleanup hitter in the Blue Jays lineup, got injured. I believe it was a left oblique strain, and that's probably going to knock him out for a few weeks. Um, unfortunately, with, when it comes to Hernandez, he makes that lineup just so much longer. And he gives Vladi and Bichette that protection they rightfully need at the top of the order. Yeah, that one hurts a lot. Um, Teoscar Hernandez obviously has been with the Blue Jays for a little while now. And he's really grown as a player since uh, since joining the Blue Jays. So, you know, having him in that four-stick position, um, it, it really hurts to lose him, especially so early on in the season. And with that offense kind of firing all cylinders early, it just hurts to lose that guy that's right in the heart of your order that is just so vital to this team. Yeah, no, he, he's he's gotten off to a really hot start, and the Blue Jays are going to miss him dearly. Um, Vladdy's already suffering a little bit um, in the four games since Hernandez has been injured. Uh, Vladdy's gone uh, two for 15 after a large um, three home run game against the uh, against the Yankees, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, the in- other injury that happened this week was to Hyunjin Ryu, um, the number four starter in the Blue Jays rotation. And we can talk about Ryu a lot later as well. But um, I believe that he was feeling a little bit of forearm or yeah, forearm soreness uh, on his pitching arm. And uh, I placed him on the 10 day IL. Um, I, I don't know if he was he's been feeling it this entire time. It might explain his pitching. I don't know if the Ryu we've been seeing of late is the new Ryu or if it's just um if it's just circumstantial at this point yeah I'm really hoping that this is just the forearm injury that's that's been the reason for his last few starts because if this is the Ryu that we're getting this season that's a big big hit to our bullpen that our bullpen sorry our rotation that we thought was going to be one of the best in the league because he's not looked like the Ryu of the past whatsoever this season he's been he's been bad well, I'm so far to start the season. I'm very confident in Brios, Gosman, and Manoa. Um, Brios has had a tough few starts, but I mean, he's he's one of the most. He's probably the most proven starter on this Blue Jays team. Um, man rarely gets injured. Um, he's reliable. He can go out there and usually give you five, six innings every day. Um, he's kind of like the one A, one B. At this point in the season, I'm kind of 
viewing him as like the one B starter to Gosman's one A. But um, over the last week, him, Gosman, and uh, Manoa have given great starts. Yeah, you know what? It, just watching their starts so far, if this continues the way it is, Manoa's going to find his way at the top of this rotation because he's just been incredible to start the season so far. I mean, we talked about it last week. Um, his his first game, obviously, he was excellent, but just a little bit too much of um, of walks other than that. But I think he gave up one hit. He was incredible other than that. And then his second start, like he just he's he's been he's been picking up right where he left off after last season. Um, I'm if, if this stays, obviously, he's young. Um, he's he's just in the second year of the league. But if this continues, like, I could see him finishing the season at the top of that rotation ahead of two guys that are already amazing in Cyan contenders. Here's a fun stat for you. It's that the Blue Jays, since Manoas came up in June of last year, have gone 18 and four in games that he has started, whether or not he's gotten the win or if he's passed it over to the bullpen. So if you, if you, that's, that's really what you really want as a starter is if you like, even if you can't get the win yourself, if the bullpen can come in there and finish it for you, be it like Adam Simber or Trevor Richards type, like you want to be that pitcher who goes out there and can give your team a win like 75% of the time. Absolutely. That's that's a huge skill to add. That's so valuable to the team. I just want to say it right now. Um, another pitcher that's been impressing me so far this season is Kevin Gosman. He's absolutely dropped dick every time he's gone out there. <laughs> um, they haven't necessarily won. I don't think they've won either of his starts yet. I don't quite think so. But I've, I have a good feeling about he's going to pick up his first Blue Jays win this weekend against or this week against the Red Sox. Yeah, he's he's been pretty unlucky with that. And that's the thing. That's why I don't put too much weight into the wins for pitchers, just because there's obviously so much more to it than just um, the pitcher, right? Like, he, he can have a great start, and he can lose the game one nothing if the offense doesn't give him any, any support. So I don't put too much weight into uh, into the wins and losses. But Gossman, he's been uh, – he, he's not quite as good as he was to start the season last year for the Giants, but he's been a good pitcher, and I think that – you know, he'll just take some time and he'll get back into the, the guy that we need him to be, that 1A or 1B, like we said, mm-hmm. of Barrios, and maybe even the two behind Manoa if he keeps playing like this. Well, like, let's be honest. If he can go out there and give us a 3.6 ERA every, every like, for the rest of the season, and Barrios can do the same and Manoa can do the same, like, they are going to be two, they're going to be two pitchers who will go out there and give you the win most of the time and when combined with Manoa who's so far done nothing but impress me and has given me no reason to believe that he's going to hit that sophomore slump that so many players seem to find um the Blue Jays are going to have three pitchers who are going to give you a good chance to win every time you go out there um I don't know about Kikuchi yet um what I what I saw last week that really impressed me despite his like um rough control and not making it out of the fourth inning was um, his velocity is up, which is pretty cool. Um, I don't know if that has anything to do with the Pete Walker effect or if it has just anything to do with um, just the new team working out in the offseason. But so far, the velocity is impressing me. And if you're facing like 95, 96 from the left side for four or five innings, that's that's a lot. That's a lot. To, that's, that's a good thing to ask out of your number five starter. And uh, I liken it quite a bit to Steven Matz. I think he can be that kind of player if he can tap into that velocity. Yeah, and like we talked about it um, before in the, our first episode of the podcast, um, that guy in the uh, in the fifth role of the rotation, he doesn't need to be any sort of superstar. Like like we said with Steven Matz last year, he's he's gone, and we think that Kikuchi can very well just kind of be a replacement of the same kind of guy as that because there's so much talent ahead of him in that rotation that he doesn't need to be that guy that's going to be, you know, 
that's that's going to be your dominant ace. Like, he's just not that player. And he hasn't been that player with Seattle. He was kind of forced into that role with Seattle. He was never really that player. They just didn't have anyone else to, you know, compete for that top spot. Um, and if he can just eat up some innings, if he can be just a, a solid number five, you know, maybe it, he has off days, he has good days, you know, it might just not be a picture of consistency. But if he can at least just eat up innings and not make it so the Blue Jays are out of games when he's pitching, then he'll do exactly what he needs to be as that five starter. Right, exactly. And going forward, like, we're, we don't need to expect too much out of him, right? Like, uh, we just need him to go out there and give the bullpen a chance to like be well rested. If he if he gives five and two, if he gives five and a third every day, that's gonna be like that would be awesome. Um I think uh, another point that we should probably talk about is uh umpire Jeff Nelson this week. Do you wanna do you wanna touch on that a little bit? Yeah. So um the the seven five loss to Oakland that uh, happened a few days ago. Um I think the stat that I saw was that Jeff Nelson missed 27 calls in that game. 27 calls as a major league umpire. I mean, that is, that is unfathomable. There was, there was uh, one pitch that was about two and a half inches outside that he rung him up. And then a pitch on Matt Chapman for strike three. That was, I think this exact stat and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but it was at minimum four inches off the plate that he rung him up on. I mean, how, how do you compete when the umpire is doing that to you? That's the, the, the runs for, or the, um, the stats afterwards were 1.8 extra runs for the Oakland Athletics because of the umpire. That's how bad he was. When he's almost giving two extra runs, which was the difference in the game, I mean, how do you compete with that? You're, you're literally competing against the umpires at that point. And if you're a professional umpire that's missing 27 calls, there has to be some sort of ramifications for that. There has to be consequences. You can't just walk away from that and go, ah, tough day at the office. Like, that is a loss for a team that is going to need every single win possible this season because they're in the arguably the most difficult division in all of baseball. And you're going to miss that many calls that go against them. And that's, that's indefensible. Yeah. Um, speaking of the tough division they are in, they had a series against New York last week. Um, there's not much I really want to touch on in that series. I mean, they, they split the series with the Yankees two to two. Um, that's a pretty good start for their first series against an AL East team. Um, someone specifically I want to talk about is um, Vladito absolutely fucks up the Yankees pitching <laughs> and uh, Cole gives up two home runs to Vladdy. And I believe the bullpen gave up one more. Um, and we saw something rare from Garrett Cole. He gave a bit of a hat tip to <laughs> Vladdy. And there's some people who are happy about that. And there are some people who are very mad about that. Um, I think it's, I think it's a big sign of respect from Cole and he's earned a bit of respect from me as well today or this week. Um, some people have said that he shouldn't have thrown an O2 fastball right down the middle to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. But, <laughs> and those people would be right as well. But I mean, it's pretty cool to uh, see, uh, see, see one of the best pitchers in the league just absolutely tip his cap and get absolutely rocked by one of the best hitters in the league. It's a matchup. It's just a matchup you need to see. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of difficult uh, to not to be captain Vlad when he does something like that. I mean, three home runs against one of the – or two home runs against one of the best pitchers. And then – and this is all coming – the last two or after he had his finger cut down to the bone after being stepped on at first base. I mean, like, what a champion. Way to power through that, Vladdy. Like, he's unbelievable. He's, he's, he's one of the best hitters in the game. He's one of the best pure hitters in the game. Him, Soto, Mike Trout. I think those are probably the three best pure hitters in the game. And he proves it. Like, he's – I mean, he's been on a bit of a rough stretch lately, but – he's had a full season last year to back it up. He's proven that this start of the season, it's going to be the same thing. You know, everyone slumps a little bit. It's not a big deal, 
but I mean, he's, he's Vladimir Guerrero and he's going to be one of the best hitters in the league for the next decade plus. He's unbelievable. I mean, it's also worth noting as well that Vladdy is human. He's going to have those two for 15 stretches. Like I, I think that people expect him to like bat like that three, three, three all the time, but like he, he's a human being. He's going to go two for 15 every once in a while. And I, I genuinely think he's going to bounce back against the Red Sox, that big green monster. All he has to do is just put the ball in the air this week against some of that Red Sox pitching. Um, something I want to talk about and um, something that my uh, dad firmly believes is that Bichette's going to get Guerrero injured one of these days by <laughs> one of his errant throws. Like he's thrown into the runner like four or five times already this year. It's easily, it's, it's easy to cringe every time he does it, but you know, like, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, you know, Guriel, or Guriel, sorry, Bichette, um, we, we all love Bichette. We love him for his bat, and we love him for – I feel like his defense is – you know, it's it's improving, but not to the point it needs to because he's he's great with the glove. The throws are just, you know, they're not they're not what they need to be as a, as a starting caliber shortstop. And he's young, and he's still got time to develop, but – he, that needs to sort it out because Vladimir Guerrero, he's been, he's impressive so far. He's, he's been better every season at first base, but at the end of the day, if you're putting your first baseman in harm's way, when your first baseman is your MVP and one of the best hitters in the entire league, and he's potentially going to injure himself trying to catch the balls that are all over the place from your shortstop. And that's not going to work for the Blue Jays. And that's just, that's, there's not something that can happen. Well, and you can't blame Aaron Hicks either because like, what are you going to do? Try and like, no, no. step out of the way. Right. So that's, that was completely unintentional. There's nothing. Yeah. Aaron Hicks could have yeah. Um, another hitter who did pretty well this weekend was uh, Gurriel. Uh, I believe he went seven for 15 against the Oakland Athletics. Um, do you think that he's going to be able to step into that cleanup slot while Teoscar Hernandez is out and provide those RBIs and cash in George Springer, Bichette, and Gurriel when they get on base? Yeah, I mean, I think so far he's he's showed that he can be that. I mean, hopefully Hernandez isn't going to be out too long. I don't think that Gurriel is going to usurp him for that role when he comes back. But um, he's proven that he's he's able to take down that role as long as he's on a five game hit streak. He's had two hits in each of his last three games. Um, he's he's been exactly what the Blue Jays were. I, I think he's been even better than they could have hoped for since stepping up into that role. Um, you know, Gurriel, he's been with this team for a few years now. He's 28 now. You know, he's kind of just hitting his prime. And I think that this is about the player. I mean, obviously, he's not going to stay on the hit streak his entire career. But I think Gurriel is the kind of guy that's going to give you some consistent hits. He's going to play all over like he does. He can play tons of different positions. But I think that, you know, he's going to settle into that fifth role. And if you really need him to step up like he is right now, I think he's capable of doing so. I don't think he's going to, you know, be the absolute power bat that that Tio is because that's not really his game. But he's capable of playing that position if he needs to. I think he's proven that so far in the last five games. And I think that we've seen that over his career, like over the five seasons he's been with the Blue Jays, like it's pretty clear that April just isn't his month. And then he's going to just bat 300 for the rest of the year. <laughs> like that's just Loris Gurriel Jr. When he's cold, he's cold. He's, when he's hot, he's hot. I think he's a bit more consistent than Randall Richick, and that's kind of what you want. Um, and also he hits more doubles. He gets on base more than Randall Richick ever did. So he's he's like, I would call him a Grichik plus player. Like for his career, he has like OPSs that are – between like the 108 and or sorry OPS pluses of between like 108 and 138 like he's going to be an above average hitter he's going to have he's going to give you plus arm in the outfield even if his defense isn't always the same yeah always the best sorry and I mean like last year like like you said like the only reason that his OPS plus last year was um uh, 117 
Oh, sorry, 108, yeah. 117 this year so far. Um, 108 last season. The only reason it was down, I mean, it was slightly above average, but the only reason for that was how poor of a start he got off to. I mean, he was excellent for the rest of the season. It was just he absolutely tanked himself by not being able to start the season quickly at all. So he 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 gets hot in the times that it matters. And I think for this Blue Jays team, that's important because the mm-hmm. the lineup is good enough that I can carry him through some of those cold times. And I mean, it's going to be like that for every player on the team. Like we said, Vladimir Guerrero is in a bit of a slump right now. Everyone's going to slump at some point. But luckily, we don't need to rely on just one or two bats to power this entire lineup. Like everybody can step up and they're going to be able to get through those kind of slumping times with their big players mm-hmm. because there's so much depth around them that can carry them through it. Speaking of slumping a little bit, um, I know you want to talk about this a little bit later, but uh, Kevin Biggio uh, still looking for that first hit. Um, do you think that this is the player that Kevin Biggio is, like kind of that 25th, 26th man on the roster? Or do you think that Kevin Biggio can once again revert to that player that he was in 2019, 2020? Man, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's sad because, you know, when he came into the league, he was, he was exceptional his first year so. Um, he was a slightly above average hitter. Then he played 59 games in 2020. Once again, 122 OPS. He was above average. And last year, he just fell off a cliff, like with injuries and with his play when he was playing. You know, he just wasn't the same player at all. And then this season, like he's he's had 12 at bats and he's he's not got a hit yet. I mean, he's just he's he's a shell of his former self. And I don't understand the reason why. I mean, maybe injuries have completely sapped him. I hope that's not the case because he's still a young man. I mean, he's supposed to be entering his competitive peak right now. Um, you know, I, I, I hope that he can bounce back. But from what I'm seeing out of him right now, it's like he's going to be that player that is just going to kind of be at the bottom of the lineup when you need him. He's going to be a platoon guy. He's going to be there for a defensive replacement. But he's just not going to bring any sort of production with the bat like he looked like he had. Been. I mean, in his first couple of seasons, he looked like he was going to be better than Bichette and Guerrero. His bat was more advanced he was getting on base more he was hitting more and it seemed like he was going to be the best out of the three of them but he is just completely falling off as they progress and mm-hmm. you know it's 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 tough to see there there i i'm still holding on to a bit of hope mostly because so far in 17 plate appearances in 17 plate appearances he's gotten on base five times with three walks and two hit by pitches so i'm not completely lost on him i think that if he can I, I don't think the eye has gone anywhere. I think his play discipline is still where it was. However, I think pitchers have kind of figured out that, like, all you kind of really have to do with him is throw it across the plate. And unfortunately, like, that's what he was known for beforehand was his play discipline. But play discipline means nothing when you can't hit the balls in the strike zone. I mean, so far in his, in his 12 at-bats he's had, he's hit the ball on the ground 66% of the time. And he's yet to have a line drive in his 12 at bats so far. Those are Rymel Tapia numbers right there. It is. Yeah, that's not good. That's, if someone's saying that you have Rymel Tapia numbers, that is not something that you want. Although we will touch on him a little bit later and he has been better so far. But um, yeah, like his eyes gone nowhere. That's always what he's been the best at. Like he's, he's always had a good batter eye. Um, he's always been able to work walks. But the problem is if you can't supplement that with hits when you're getting the pitches that you're working yourself into. If you work yourself into a good count with your good batter's eye, and then you can't hit the ball when you get it. I mean, that that only takes you so far. You can't just rely on constantly fouling balls off and getting walked every time. That's not a viable strategy to be a positive hitter in the MLB. And until he can figure out how to hit those pitches, like you said, that are in the zone and that are hittable pitches, he's just not going to be able to be one of those guys that we thought he was going to be. And it sucks because I love Bijou. He was one of my favorite players when he came up, but he's just not been the same player as he was when he broke into the league. No, and I think that one of the big questions that we had at the start of the year was like Santiago Espinal and Kevin Biggio. Like Espinal has raked so far. He 
he has hit the ball quite a bit and kind of, I just don't really know if Biggio is going to be kind of moving on. Right. Yeah. Uh, moving up in that, moving up in that batting order when San Diego Espinal's just been hitting double after double after double and cashing in order or cashing in runs from the bottom of that lineup. Like, I think that Biggio is going to be fighting for playing time. Obviously, he can fill in for players like Teoscar Hernandez in right field or Matt Chapman when he needs a day off or Guerrero when he needs a day off at first base. He still is a versatile defender. And people often forget like that he's a good defender because of his atrocious showing at third base last year. Well, he can still play the other like shortstop, second base, first base, left field, center field, and right field. Like Third base just isn't his position. Um, Moving on, uh, we have just the awesome series that Zach Collins had. And I know that I want to talk about this just a little bit. Uh, Zach Collins went six for nine this weekend, a couple of homers, a couple of doubles, few RBIs, and he really stepped up this weekend. I know that you haven't been high on him, but I think that he can quietly be good for this team. I'm not quite sure how much we're going to get out of Zach Collins. Obviously, he's not going to bat 667 every series because, you know, that would be Ted Williams on steroids. <laughs> but I think that when players like Danny Jansen are out or Kirk is slumping and something like that, Collins might be able to be that guy who steps up and provide the kind of production that Reese McGuire provided for the Blue Jays last year. And he can also be sent down to AAA, which is, you know, something that Ross Atkins loves in a player so i don't know i'm i'm not like i'm i'm not as high on zach collins as i am danny jansen because you know danny jansen's my favorite player <laughs> but you want to talk about zach collins and what you've seen so far yeah i i mean i hope that he makes me eat my words because he's a blue jay at the end of the day and i'm a blue jays fan so i'd much rather a player that i'm not high on break out and completely prove me wrong for my favorite team so um yeah, I, I hope he sticks with this. Obviously, he's not going to be as good as he's as he's shown in the series because that's not sustainable for even the best hitters in the league. But if he can just be a, you know, if he can be a positive bat in this lineup, that would be a big surprise to me. Even like I, they brought over Zach Collins for his bat. He wasn't a player that was meant to be, a, you know, a solid defensive guy. Like he was brought over because he's a big guy and he can hit the ball hard. But the problem I had was that so far in his MLB career, he hadn't proved that he can be a big guy and hit the ball hard. He was just a big guy that couldn't hit the ball very well and was a below average hitter in the league with subpar defense. If this is the player that the Blue Jays were hoping for and he can be a consistent contributor with the bat, then maybe this was a trade that, that you know, they saw something in them and they thought that they could fix something with the swing and turn him into a productive hitter. And, you know, this is a series show. Maybe this is a flash of the pan, but maybe this is signs of, of a breakout season for Zach Collins. If that's the case, I'm, I will gladly apologize to Zach Collins later <laughs> on in the season. But I got to see a little bit more first. Um, so about kind of just about Zach Collins, like in a winning season, like in a team that's put, making a playoff push, you're going to be starting the hitters who are hitting well. And as Zach Collins continue, continue to hit well, Charlie Montoya will find a spot in lineup for him. Like whether it be DH or behind the plate, like I do think that Kirk's going to get the ball most of the days, but like, I don't know, maybe days that Ryu's pitching or Kuchi's pitching, like days that Jansen would usually catch. I think that, you're going to be seeing Zach Collins behind the plate a lot more than you're going to be seeing someone like Tyler Heineman or something like that, because the Blue Jays have so much catching depth, but it, it's not necessarily all good catching depth. Um, I'm going to kind of move on to a, what I like to call the weekly segment on 
when or where is Michael Conforto going to sign? Just because I know it's not necessarily Blue Jays related, but it's just so interesting to see where or how Michael Conforto just hasn't signed yet for everything that he is and his track record and all that and being a highly plus um, hitter when in his time with the New York Mets. Um, I think that he's going to sign around June 10th, but I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, at this point, I've kind of given up on trying to make a prediction for when he's going to sign because I thought that this would be sorted out a long time ago. I, I mean, we we kind of thought about this last last episode. Maybe it's because of vaccination status. Maybe it's an injury that we don't know about. But I mean, to be a a productive left hand bat, that's that's all you need to. Do. It doesn't matter anything else. You can find a spot for that guy. So the fact that he's not signed yet, I, it makes me think that it's got to be something on his side, either an injury, vaccination, or he's holding out for something. Because that is just way too valuable for that to not be on any roster. I mean, there's no way that there's no team that's been interested in. That's just, that's not possible. Well, it's also weird that Aston signed like a one-year deal with a Japanese team or a KBO team or something like that. Like, it's, uh, I'm just so confused when it comes to Michael Conforto nowadays. Um, like, with his production, it feels like, it just feels like he should have signed by now. It easily, absolutely should have. But like, like, a week ago, we talked about this. Nothing's changed. Um... It, it seems like there's not even a ton of reports. Like you look at Michael Conforto and the most recent articles about him are from four days, six days ago. And they're just saying he's not close to signing the team. Like, it's just, it's like radio silence on him. It's bizarre. I don't, there's, there's, I mean, there's obviously something there that's going to be, there's obviously something there that we don't know about because mm-hmm. there's no way that this situation is just, no one's interested because that's just not true. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, this is going to be a segment that I feel like might go on for a long time because it's just, there's no new information on it. I feel, I feel like one of the reasons why I care so much is because he's on my fantasy team. He's just eating up a roster spot right now. So I don't know. I might have to trade him yeah, or just drop him. Might be time to let him go. Um, last segment before we move on to a new segment of awards. Um, are you concerned about the offense with Teo gone for a while? No, I'm not concerned about the offense. Um, he obviously helps with it too. And, uh, you know, Danny Jansen as well. He was off to a hot start. I, I'm not concerned about the offense. Their offense is going to be amazing, even with a, top, a couple of the top guys out. They're just top to bottom. They're just too good for it to be an issue. I mean, obviously, they're going to be affected by it because he's an incredible hitter. He was an all-star silver slugger. So it's not like you're going to be able to say, you know, it doesn't affect us whatsoever. But they'll be okay. They might just be a little bit worse than they were before. And that little bit worse is still one of the best offenses in the league. So I'm not concerned about it. I always, I always get the feeling too, that someone in the, you're, you're always going to get that surprise in the lineup, like that Chris Colabello, who, who was on steroids at the time, to be fair, <laughs> but the, the Chris Colabello type who will step up and provide a season from someone you just did not. Zach Collins. But <laughs> um, yeah, I'd let, we're going to move on to a, a new segment called awards. Uh, we have, five awards that we came up with and um yeah the first one is the loudly good player of the week which is the player who was like clearly one of the best players of the week um this one we each have a pick um my pick this week is Vladdy Guerrero for obvious reasons even though he's had a rough stretch in Oakland or against Oakland he absolutely went off against the Yankees I don't really think I need to explain it that much but you know no he's been incredible so far you got yours um yeah mine has been uh Jordan Romano Jordan Romano, six uh, six innings pitch, six saves, saved every win so far for the Blue Jays. Whip is zero point six six seven. I mean, he's been everything they need of a save or of a uh, closer so far. He set the record for most consecutive saves for a Blue Jay. I mean, what more can you say about Jordan Romano? He's a Canadian guy that just steps in and does exactly what you need him to. Just 
book ends the game, shuts it down, doesn't allow any runs. I love mm-hmm. him. I, I think they were going to get a not not necessarily a quietly good season from Jordan Romano, but like I feel like he's one of the more underrated closers in the in the game. A lot of often talk about in a lot of baseball circles as one of the like he doesn't necessarily live up to the names that like Craig Kimbrell has or Liam Hendricks has. I love Liam Hendricks, but I think that he's by the end of the season, he's going to be a household name. He's not going to have like an Eric Gagne 2003 season, but he is going to have a really good season. I mean, he's the thing is a lot of, um, a lot of the, you know, saves are kind of it's based on the matchup right like i can't come in and, and get as many saves on a bad team as a good team because there's just not as many opportunities so part of it is going to be him being a great pitcher and part of it's going to be you know the situation that he's in i mean he, he leads the league right now in saves but that's just because the blue jays have had opportunities for saves right like it's it's not it's not fair to some of the worst teams that being said as a good closer, he's converting on the saves. He's not blowing the saves and losing himself opportunities. He's six for six. So it's a bit of both. It's a bit of both having a great team that puts him in that situation and him being the player that walks in there and says, I appreciate you putting me in the position. I'm going to just go and I'm going to go do it. Wait, hold up. So the Blue Jays have six wins. So every single win has been yep. closed up by Jordan Romano every so far. Every single so far. All the wins have been closed up by Romano so far. Wow. So that means that they've just had a lot of close games. And yeah. honestly, one of the biggest problems last year with them was that they just weren't winning close games. Like, they were absolutely blowing out teams with their offense. Um, and, to the, uh, like, their eighth inning guy, Tyler Chatwood, last year was probably blew five or six games for them last year. Don't even mention But we don't even need to talk about that when it's in, in the year April 20, or in the month of April 2022. Um, I think we should move on to the next segment, the um, quietly good player of the week. This this award is given to the player that had a good week, but kind of fell under the radar a little bit. I mean, my pick this week was Zach Collins. We've already talked about him quite a bit, so we can just move on to your pick. Yeah, and I mean, my pick is is uh, Santiago Espinal. We talked about him a little bit, but I'd like to touch on him just a little bit more. Um, Espinal has been hitting the ball hard. He's been hitting for doubles, and he's been hitting the ball hard. You look at his stats so far, and once again, you know, it's not been a long season so far, so it's not, not nothing that you look into too much. But his hard hit percentage is 48% right now. Line drive percentage is 36%. Ground ball percentage is 32%. I mean, he's hitting the ball hard, and he's hitting the ball in the gap, and he's just he's getting big hits right now. Espinal is a guy that we talked about at the very beginning that were like, he really broke out for the Blue Jays last season and he provided way more of a bat than I expected while also being, you know, versatile in defense. And I was hoping that wasn't just kind of a flash in the pan. It was a fairly big sample size, so I didn't think it would be. But um, he's just kind of, once again, right back to where he left off. He's just going to be such a valuable piece either at the bottom of the starting lineup or coming off the bench. Um, and he might even earn himself into more of an everyday role just because his bat has been incredible. He's just proven that his bat's going to be much more than we expected out of it, and if he's going to keep it finding gaps like he is right now and hitting the ball as hard as he is, I mean, you can't keep him on the lineup. Right, and I mean, I don't want to, like, give him too much hype because, like, last year we, at the beginning of last year, everyone kind of thought of him as, like, maybe he kind of can kind of be like a Ryan Goins type, like kind of like a fan favorite who doesn't hit the ball very much but because he's in a lineup no he's because he's in such a deep lineup no one really cares but as we can see he's kind of moving forward he kind of reminds me a little bit of Whit Merrifield someone who doesn't have a lot of power but who just makes contact and gets on base and hits the ball where no one is Mm -hmm. and I think that would be an awesome kind of player to have especially at the bottom of the lineup because I think the amount of times that we've seen him get on base and then Springer cash him in this year like he's almost kind of like a second leadoff hitter which is exactly what you want out here, your number nine hitter. Absolutely. Right, right, right. 
Um, moving on, we have uh, the third award. Um, I'm pretty proud of coming up with his name. Uh, the Derek Fisher Worst Player of the Week Award. <laughs> um, I'm just going to give it to Hien Jin Ryu. Uh, so far in two starts, he has not been the greatest. He's given up a lot of runs. Uh, hasn't gotten out of the fourth inning in either of them. Um, and specifically against Oakland, one of the worst teams in the league, he just hasn't, he hasn't been the guy you want to see. Like he's, he's, I don't want to say he's a shell of his former self. Cause he's definitely getting up there in age. I believe he's 30. I believe he turned 35 the other day, but like, I, I don't really even know what to say about him anymore. Like Blue Jays owe him 40 million over the next two years. And obviously he's someone that I don't know if you want him off the books yet, because I think that he has provided a, a good mentorship to someone specifically like Alec Manoa. Like him and Alec Manoa have a, it's clear in the media that they have a good friendship and he's taught a lot to Alec Manoa. But it's just, it's just hard to look at. Like so far, he has an inflated ERA of 1350 because of the amount of runs that he's given up in so few innings. Like he, I believe, I don't know if he's, uh, I don't know if he's gotten lost in either of his games yet. But no, he's had two no decisions. But so far, he's given up 11 or 11 earned runs in 7.1 innings, which is, you know, more than a run per inning, which is not what you want to get out of a starting pitcher, especially the one who is like your number four guy in this rotation. Um, he's only struck out five guys so far this year, and he's walked. He's walked. He only walked two, which is not bad. But even his FIP is kind of inflated, like. Like, obviously, he's gotten a little bit unlucky, judging by his 6.10 FIP, but, like, the 6.10 FIP is not something you want from your number four guy in the rotation. And his, I mean, his whip is 1.7, and he's got a 31 ERA+. plus. Those are pedestrian numbers, and it's two games through the season, so it's obviously, we're, it might be a bit of an overreaction, but, you know, when, when that's what you're seeing out of him, it's the eye test, too. It's not like he's shown anything like he's he's making good pitches and he's just getting beat. Like that's not the case. He's just not good. He's not pitched well whatsoever so far. He's been getting hit hard. He's given up 11 hits in two starts. Like he's, he's like you said, he's only pitched seven and then third innings through two starts because he's getting pulled so early. He's given up. Like, I, I don't know. He's given up the same amount of runs as he has given up a hits. He's in two starts. Mm-hmm. This was one of the question marks that we had going into the season because, you know, the rotation with Manoa Burrios and Gossman, and we know the talent that we've had out of Ryu in the past. He's been a signed candidate just a couple of seasons ago. And we were hoping that this would be something that would carry over and just absolutely solidify this rotation by having that fourth guy that steps up and kind of becomes his old self. But unfortunately, it doesn't really seem like that's the kind of guy that we're going to get out of Ryu. And I'm, I'm hoping that, that that can change. But even if it's, you know, he has some good starts and some bad starts, that's the problem is he's just so inconsistent. And I on a team that's contending and has such a strong uh, offense that's going to power them to wins, you just need consistency out of your pitching. You don't need volatile. Sometimes he'll be shut down. Sometimes he'll be bad. Or in in Ryu's case so, so far, only bad. I mean, you just got to give him a chance to win the game for you. And if you can't even do that, then maybe it's a, something that we just have to look at and, and you know, and he, he cut ties with him if he's making too much money because he's just not going to bring much value to this team if this keeps up. Well, and I mean, I don't. I think that we're gonna see Ross Stripling get a bit of a chance over the next couple weeks because you know Nate Pearson still has mono, and Hyunjin Ryu is now on the IL. So if Stripling can step up and you know be a good number five starter, I don't really see room for Ryu in the rotation at the moment. He might have to kind of fill a Ross Stripling role for 
this year if Ross Stripling is able to step up or Nate Pearson is able to step up over the next couple months. Um, that or we're overreacting and he's just feeling his arm a little bit because he does have a track record of getting injured. And but the problem is he's I it feels like he's a, a little bit removed or quite a long way removed um, from like he, he like a lot removed from the Hyun Jin Reeves we saw back in 2019 and 2020. Yeah, and just before we move on to the next uh, category, uh, just kind of looking through the, the MLB stats, I can't help but notice that the current win leader for uh, MLB is uh, Adam Simber, which is <laughs> funny to look at with his three wins ahead of anyone else like Clayton Kershaw, Shamanea, Frankie Montes. Uh, we currently have the wins leader as a bullpen pitcher, so go Adam Simber. The whole Adam Simber. Shout out Adam Simber. I'm going to be very honest with you. If I could buy an Adam Simber jersey, I would because he might, aside from Danny Jensen, he might be my favorite player on the team. I like the little jump thing he does before mm-hmm. going onto the mound. I think it just provides a little bit of fun. And, you know, he, he's someone who's underrated because of the way he throws, but everyone always kind of discounts um, sidearm submarine relievers just because of the way that they throw. I mean, if you ever played baseball, you know how difficult it is to hit off of a, a sidearm submarine pitcher. The ball just comes in in a way that you're not used to seeing it. It's a real pain in the ass to try to hit. So, you know, I, I totally understand why he's valuable because not only does he have good stuff, he's also really difficult to read because it's something you don't see very often. <laughs> um, do you quickly want to talk about your um, Derek Fisher award this week? Yeah, we. I mean, I talked about him earlier a little bit, so there's not much more to touch on. My uh, Derek Fisher award is Kevin Biggio. Um, he's not going to hit yet. It's not much more to talk about than that. He's walked three times, got hit by a pitch twice. He's not hit yet. He's just mm-hmm. filling up a spot when he hits, and he's not really doing much with it. I believe that he's the only player on the current roster who hasn't gotten a hit yet, save for um, Bradley Zimmer, because I don't think Bradley Zimmer's gotten, like, a few. I think he, Bradley Zimmer's gotten, like, a few at-bats, but... Kevin Vigio said 17 plate appearances without a hit. And, you know, kind of feels like a uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. start to the season for him. Unfortunately, yeah. Except I don't know that he necessarily has the Gurriel tools to turn it around like Gurriel does. But we'll see. All right. Moving on to our fourth award. Uh, we have the most improved player of the week. And I think it's uh, Ryan Tapia. He mm-hmm. had a pretty good week against the Oakland Athletics. Um, got a few hits, got on base. Um, was able to score from first on a couple of doubles. I believe it was both Santiago Espinal doubles. Um, guy's got speed. He'll get, and when he's when he's on base, he's a threat to steal bases. Um, I'm looking forward to watching him run a little bit more. Uh, so far, he hasn't done horrible. Uh, I mean, obviously, his OPS plus is nothing to scoff at because – or, sorry, his OPS plus is nothing great. It's 53 OPS plus, which means he's about as half as good as the league average hitter. <laughs> but, I mean, history shows that he'll – he'll he'll get on he'll get on base um he just needs to heat up a little bit he's getting out of colorado which as we know is one of the worst places to hit in one simultaneously one of the worst and best places to hit in the mlb it is it's going to take a little bit of an adjustment period but i'm confident that i'll step up like he's had a few good games of late especially against oakland and he filled in for george springer at the top of the lineup one one of the days of the week i believe it was actually in the seven five lost oakland that ryu threw um I think that he's a player to watch moving forward. Um, he's someone that I often forget about on the team just because of the big three there in the outfield. But obviously, since Hernandez's injuries, he's he's going to be getting a bit more chance to step up and play. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, so far he hasn't quite um, he hasn't changed that ground ball percentage that he actually has. You know, he's 
66% of the ground ball percentage so far, which has been the biggest problem with him as a hitter in his career. He just doesn't elevate the ball whatsoever. He, he can hit the ball hard. He's got a 33% not hard hit percentage, but the problem is he hits that ball hard on the ground. And when he hits that ball on the ground, it just either turns into a double play, it turns into a ground out. Like he, he just, he can't seem to elevate it. He's got one of the worst launch angles that the MLB has ever seen in, mm-hmm. since recording the stat. And we talked about this last episode, so I'm not going to get into it too much, but it's something that he can be a productive hitter if it gets changed. And, you know, the Blue Jays have all the, uh, the coaching staff to change that, but it's a matter of whether Tapia is able to do that and whether they recognize that, which I, I, I obviously I'm sure they do. I can't imagine that two podcasters from Langley recognize it and the Blue Jays organization doesn't, but it's just something that, you know, it's, if he, it's one, it's, it's one of those things where, and you don't see with a lot of hitters, but if you can pinpoint one specific thing that's holding him back so much, I mean, you see the stats that he has when he hits the ball hard up versus hits the ball hard on the ground. I mean, it's it's night and day. And if he can just sort that out, then, you know, he, he's he's going to be a productive hitter for this team. And I, I still, out of the trio of trades, this was the one that I liked because he can bring speed on the base pass and he can bring so many other things other than that Richie necessarily didn't. So I'm not – even if he just kind of gets on base at a, me, a mediocre clip, he keeps his ground ball percentage and he can steal bases when he gets on, at least he can bring some sort of production because he's got that. But he can just be so much better of a player if he can just sort that out. And, like, his strikeout numbers have been going down over the years. And so far, I mean, a small sample size, but he's gotten a bit unlucky with the 294 bat pip. So I think that he's someone who's going to be able to bat 260, 270, um, especially with Hernandez out. He's going to get that opportunity to play almost every day. Um, but I don't know. I, I'm I'm expecting good things to come from Rymel Tapia. Yeah, and if there's a, if you guys want to see a a good video on Rymel Tapia, kind of breaking down what we think about him, there's a video by the Jolly Olive about Rymel Tapia about him being the best bad player in baseball. Um, I've I've watched that, and I think Max probably has as well. Um, and it's 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 great. It was before the, the trade to the Blue Jays, so it's even more relevant to us now. But it just kind of breaks down his his weird launch angle and everything else with the player. So I'd give that a watch if you're interested. Yeah, if you're a sabermetrics nerd like we are, it kind of really just breaks down kind of how he can improve. And you know what? Maybe I think I talked about this last week, but I think that maybe Guillermo Martinez might be able to tap into that moving forward. Um, last thing we want to, or second last thing we talked about before we go today. Um, and the last award, uh, the roster playing awards for players we forgot were on the team, but are highly versatile. And um, my pick is Bradley Zimmer. I honestly forgot that Bradley Zimmer was on the team until I saw him make the last out on Sunday against uh, the Oakland Athletics. I'm like, oh, Springer's got this ball. And I'm like, oh, wait, that's not Springer in the outfield. Yeah, <laughs> but that's that's pretty much all I have to say about <laughs> Bradley Zimmer. Um, I think your pick was also Bradley Zimmer, but yeah, I mean, as of now, there's not really too many players on the, on the roster that we don't know too much about. And Bradley Zimmer is completely obscure. I forget that he's on the bench when he's there. I forget that he's in the game when he's there. Um, he, I, I didn't like the trade. I still don't like the trade because I don't know anything about this guy and he makes very little impact when he's in the game, but he's versatile. He can move around and play multiple positions and kind of just fill the spot when we need him to. So yeah, I guess he's there. Um, uh, that's one way to um, talk about Bradley Zimmer. I mean, the reason I named the award after Ross Stripling was, you know, because I often forgot that Ross Stripling was on the team until like a blowout happens and he comes out of the bullpen to throw like the fourth, fifth and sixth innings, but he's a versatile player. Um, I'm just trying to find his defensive numbers right now. 
uh, Bradley Zimmer's defensive numbers. And I mean, we know that he's not been a good hitter over his career, so that's not what he's he's bringing to this team. He's always been a below average hitter, kind of. Um, he, he had a decent start to his career, but he just fell off after that. Cleveland, it seemed like he was going to be a decent player once he broke in with Cleveland, and it just didn't really pan out like that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not a sabermetrician. I don't really understand fielding stats, but from what I understand, he is a very, very good hitter. Um, I that's pretty very, much very good hitter. Or sorry, very very good fielder. <laughs> my bad. I was like, I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> um, last segment of the week. We're gonna make this a weekly thing. Um, Liam's real Blue Jay bird facts of the week presented by Brenna and Nina. Yeah. So this one's a shout out to uh, Brenna and Nina. Um, Brenna and Nina, did you guys know that the Blue Jay can actually adapt to an array of habitats? Um, I didn't know that until reading about that right now, but it's it's pretty shocking to know that. You know, they can live in northeastern Texas as well as southern Florida, Central America, and a whole different type of habitat. So that's pretty cool. I wonder, I mean, I got to wonder how endemic they are to Toronto and if they're around Toronto or if it's just a stupidly named team. Yeah, I would, I, I would agree. I don't know anything about Blue Jays in Toronto. I don't live in Toronto. I've never been to Toronto, and I have no idea the Blue Jays population in Toronto. Um, I feel like moving forward, this segment might have to be extended to all birds. Because <laughs> we're already, it's week two, and we're already running out of Blue Jays facts. Mm-hmm. Um, for right now, I'm going to keep this podcast on, the feed, on this feed specifically, but I might have to make this our own feed moving forward because if we're going to make this a weekly thing i don't want to like throw a bunch of random podcasts onto the same feed so you know moving forward it's going to be a good time uh anything else you want to talk about today yeah before we go has nothing to do with the with the blue jays but if you don't know already and you should know watch say suzuki for the uh, chicago cubs that guy has come over from japan and he's been nothing short of incredible so far he's fun to watch he's uh He's, you know, a 27, 28-year-old rookie, but he's been incredible so far. He's 429 batting average. He's already hit four home runs, if I'm not mistaken. He's got 11 RBIs. He's he's made the jump seamlessly from Japan, and he's just really fun to watch. So he's a guy that, when he was coming over from Japan, I really, really wanted the Blue Jays to sign. I didn't really expect him to. He's fun to watch. Has he's, nothing to do with the Blue Jays, but he's a great player. I mean, he's on the leaderboards for OBP. He's on the leaderboard for runs batted in. And, I mean, I'm not a Cubs fan. In fact, I rarely ever watch the Cubs because they're never on TV in Canada specifically. But, like, man, I wish he was on the Blue Jays yeah. right now. Oh, yeah, me too. me too. I mean, I'd much rather have him than Bradley Zimmer. No offense to Bradley Zimmer. I feel like he wouldn't have gotten the Ross Stripling award. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> but I think that's all we got for you today. All right. um, See you guys next week.